Who hasn't faced situations in life that seem overwhelming? Places where there doesn't seem to be an answer uh, within our grasp anyway. Storms of life seem to flood in when they've got howling winds, feelings of anxiety, fear, desperation, even times when people feel absolutely hopeless. And I know that there are some of us gathered here today, and, and there's a word here for every one of us here today. There really is. For those listening in or that, that are here today, but no matter what we're facing, there's hope. There's hope. There's amazing hope and help in Jesus. And I want to quickly highlight today four stories. And each story, something similar, has people who are desperately needing help. They're filled with anxiety. They're filled with fear. They're grasping for hope. But each one of these also is answered by a miracle that Jesus did. They're going to show us the areas that he can speak into our lives. And so we're going to be in Mark 4 and Mark 5 today and picking up in Mark 4.35. says, that day there, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down. And it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Picture that. A furious squall comes up. I mean, this is like hurricane kind of force. It's, it's, it's totally unexpected. It seems to come out of nowhere, and, and the boat is almost swamped that they're in. And Jesus is asleep. The disciples are fearing for their lives. I mean, what a picture is going on here. And the reality of it is all of us in our lives face storms. We get that. Storms can come up. They can be unexpected. They can come seemingly out of nowhere, suddenly and there's a storm that comes into our lives. Dr. George Wood, our former general superintendent, described this furious storm. He said they didn't see it coming. The boat's almost swamped. It's probably how they're feeling. You ever feel, say, I feel swamped, I feel overwhelmed? And the amazing thing is there's a phrase in there that says, Jesus was asleep. The winds and the waves are howling. The boat's being tossed all around, and he's asleep. Didn't wake him up. What woke Jesus was the cry of the disciples. The disciples, though, in that situation, like so many of us, they jumped to the wrong conclusion. They assumed that because Jesus was asleep, that he didn't care if they drowned. 
They're waking them up. And how often do we do the same kind of things in our own lives? We, we, we begin to look at what's going on because God seems to be quiet. God seems to be asleep. We, we assume he doesn't care. But people, the disciples, were absolutely in the will of God. Jesus said to them, let's go over to the other side. But somewhere along the line, they forgot that. And when you and I forget the word of the Lord, fear comes in. When we forget what God says, Jesus is saying, let's go to the other side. And when he calls us to go to the other side, we're not going down in the middle. Jesus' presence makes the difference. His presence makes the difference. And what's interesting is in that situation, and I'm going to highlight, there's so much more I'd like to bring out of each of these stories, but I'm only going to touch on a point or two in them. But notice that Jesus spoke first. He spoke peace to the winds and the waves. He said, quiet, be still, and they calmed down. Good friend of mine that visited us a year or so ago, Kevin, led him to the Lord when we were in mechanic school over 40 years ago. And Kevin's family used to live in Venezuela uh, at that time and were involved in working down there. And Kevin, after coming to the Lord sometime, he went down there to see his family, and their home was by a lakeside area. And Kevin was sharing Jesus and talking to him about that and going on. And, and they were out there. And it was one of those days that the lake was so wild. It was white camping. It was going crazy. The winds were going. You couldn't go out there. And Kevin was there with his brothers and sisters and his mom. And, and he had his back to the, to, the, to the waves and the lake. And one of his siblings said to him, Kevin, can Jesus do anything? Can he calm the waves? Kevin got one of those looks probably like we would look. Yeah, he can. <laughs> he said, well, let's pray. So they took hands there. They joined together, and Kevin began to pray. When Kevin looked up, his mom had tears in her face. When Kevin looked around, the lake was like glass. He said, I don't know when I've ever seen it like that. God doesn't do miracles, people, to show off. God does miracles to bring his presence and reveal who he is and bring us so that we encounter the living God. And that day Jesus stood in that boat and he spoke to the winds and the waves and he said, quiet, be still, and it was so calm. And then Jesus does something even more important because the greatest storm that day wasn't what was going on around. It was what was going on in the hearts of those disciples. And he spoke peace to the storm in their hearts. And he said, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? That's the biggest storm, people, is for Jesus to calm and bring his peace to the inner part of our lives to trust him. And he's able to bring peace to the storms around us, and he's able to bring peace to our lives. We need that in the day where we are. And now it says that the disciples were terrified. They're not afraid now of the storm, but by the Lord himself. And they begin to say, who is this? 
Even the wind and the waves obey him. He's not just a prophet. He's not just somebody. Who is this that he speaks and even nature obeys his word? People, he is the Lord God and he has all authority. He's the creator God. And when he speaks, even our world and nature obeys. He's the Lord and master over all the storms. And we'll read this next portion, but I invite you to look with me in in Mark chapter 5 and the first 20 verses here. Jesus and the disciples, now they end up across this lake. But they ended up at a place south of the place where they probably originally were headed. They're south of Bethsaida. And they end up in an area called the Gerasenes. You know, sometimes life takes us to a direction we didn't plan to go. It'll take us off course. But God's got a plan, and God's got a purpose. And when, that when these tired disciples and Jesus got out of the boat, who meets them? It was the, who was the welcoming committee? It was a demon-possessed man. This guy comes out in there, and and where they end up, they end up in an area where where this man is. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable what they run into, but they run into a man who's possessed by demons, and as Jesus will encounter him and begin to deal with him, it's not one or two demons. It's a whole legion of demons in this man. He's tormented. We find him living in a cemetery often stripping clothes off himself and running around. and temper- uh, uh, He's so tormented. People, a cemetery is not a natural place to live. But that's where this man was at. He had no control over his life. He's so bound by the demonic possession in his life. And our world is full of people out of control. Not that everybody is demon-possessed, but there are people whose addictions and things have them so bound that there you know there are many people who are demon possessed but there are also people whose lives are bound up with all kinds of addictions they're not able to get free of those chains in, in their lives that's the kind of world and Jesus encounters this man and the disciples are, are there with him and this man he's I mean he's so out of control he's yelling he's coming at Jesus and this guy is so bad that that says that the community people around had often he had often been bound they would take and bind him with chains to try to get him under control but the demonic power in him was so strong he would literally break those chains often bound, tells us he's been this way for quite a while. Life out of control. And he's tormented. He's crying out day and night for some relief, for for the anguish in his heart. And he cuts himself. And we have a lot of people today who are tormented and cutting themselves and doing all kinds of things to relieve that. And Jesus encounters this man. And the Bible says no one could help him. This is a man that's beyond being able to be delivered. This is a man that's beyond being able to find help. He is past all human help. People have given up on him. They've avoided him. In their opinion, he's totally undeliverable. There's nothing we can do to help him. And George Wood noted that he was strong enough to break the chains, but he wasn't strong enough to free himself. They're bondages, people. 
demonic and all kinds of other sinful things in people's lives. And the man saw Jesus from a distance and he runs towards him and he sees this one who has hope of a better life. Begins to shout at the top of his voice and he's saying, Jesus, the son of the most high God, the demons in him are crying out. They know who Jesus is, even though others around are not recognizing him. And people, Jesus commanded those demons to come out of him and 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 because he has all power over all evil he has the power to set people free from any demon from any addiction from anything any bondage in our lives jesus has all power and those demons, when they called out and they're, they're saying, Jesus, don't torment us. Don't send us to a place like hell. Let us, and they're, they're begging Jesus to go into a herd of pigs nearby. The Bible says there were about 2,000 pigs, and Jesus allowed them to go in there. Those pigs would rather, those demons would rather get into the pigs than the torments of hell. And they run and they, they, they go into these pigs, and the pigs go crazy and they run an embankment and they're all drowned. It's an amazing scene going on. When, when the people that were hurting them went into town and others came back, they saw that man who had been so demon-possessed, clothed, sitting in his right mind. And the amazing thing is how the people responded. People, the devil wants to destroy whatever he touches. Moments before, these demons had been in that man. When they went in the pigs, they destroyed the pigs. It's all that Satan wants to do is destroy. And when people see this man, they had two reactions. They were fearful, and they rejected Jesus. He said, go away. They're looking at all the pigs that they've lost. They're fearful of what's just happened. And sometimes people value property and possessions over people. They were more concerned about what they had lost than gaining a man now to be restored. And this man wanted to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, no, go back to your family, your areas, and tell them all that the Lord's done for you. And he did. And the next time Jesus was in that area, they're bringing people to get healed. They're coming out. They want to hear him because of that man's testimony. This chapter moves on, verses 21 to 43. We find here a desperate father and a desperate woman. Here is a, a man that's a ruler of the synagogue, and he comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, my daughter, my little girl is dying. Would you come and lay your hands on her and she'll be healed? Jesus is probably back now in the area of Capernaum. This has been one of the rulers or the leaders there in that synagogue. And while they're going, while Jesus is going with them, there's a large crowd that's pressing all around. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's tight. I mean, they're just bumping and it's just almost kind of being carried along by the crowd. During that time, there was a woman that the Bible describes she had an issue of blood, an issue of bleeding in her body. She'd been that way for 12 years. 
What's interesting is we don't even know her name. But this woman, as she's coming after, she, she just has this thought that if I can somehow just get to Jesus, I'll work my way through the crowd. If I touch him, I'll, I'll be whole. I'll be healed. She did that. She worked her way through that crowd, pushing trying to get down, and you can almost picture there as she gets to Jesus, getting down on her knees and reaching through some of the legs of people that are around and grabbing hold of the garment that Jesus is wearing, and she's healed. She wants to slip away. We don't know her name. Tradition tells us it was Bernice or Veronica. We don't know. The gospel writers simply call her the woman with an issue of blood. People, she's known by her deficiency. She's known by her abnormality. She's known by the thing that made her religiously unclean. And how many people do we identify and will say, do you know such and such? I don't recognize the name. Well, you know, you're, they're the one with this or that or what. Oh, I know who that is. How often do we know people by how they're different from us or by what's wrong with them? And that's all the Bible says. She was the woman with the issue of blood. And her disease that she's had is, is, is left her personally, socially, and spiritually cut off from others. She wasn't supposed to be in the crowd that day because to touch people in the crowd because of her own uh, religiously uncleanness because of this disease in her body, this illness, for her to touch others would also make them religiously unclean. But she was so desperate. She said, i got to get to Jesus. Medically, she's desperate. She has spent for the last 12 years, she's consulted all kinds of physicians. She spent everything that she had. And the Bible says she only grew, grew worse and worse. She's done everything she knows to try and find help. And it's only got worse. It's a desperate woman. Socially, she's desperate. If this had happened to her when she was real young, she wouldn't have been able to marry. If it happened to her while she was married, she probably would have been divorced by now. She couldn't be in family. She couldn't be with others. Singleness is difficult in our culture. But in that day, for a woman to be unmarried in first century Jewish Palestine would have been terrifying. The stigma of childlessness, the dilemma of not being able to have an income, no husband, no children, unbearable. And people would shun her socially. She's that woman. She's unclean. Can't touch somebody. This woman knows rejection by family, friends, and even God because she can't be in the synagogue and worship. That day she was healed physically. But you know what? That's not the end of the story. Jesus stopped the crowd. He said, who touched me? And the disciples are tired. They're cranky. And they're going, what do you mean, who touched you? You got all kinds of people around there bumping you, jostling you, you know? What do you mean, who touched you? Everybody's touching you. You can just kind of almost hear the sarcasm coming out. Jesus said, no. Somebody really, really touched me. He's looking around and looking around. And, look, and finally, this woman knows she's been caught. And she comes, and you can almost see a circle now beginning to gather. And she falls on her knees before Jesus. She says, it's me. She's fearful. 
What will Jesus do? Will he rebuke her? Will he take away her healing? What will he do? Why is he exposing her? Why is Jesus making her feel so bad? I mean, she already felt so bad. All she wanted to do is, is, get, is get healed. Why would Jesus do that to make her feel worse? No. Not for that. Notice verse 34. Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. All the gospel writers, these three gospel writers, when they look at her, they all use that term. It's the only place we know. Jesus looks at her and says, Daughter, what's he saying? You are a child of God. God loves you. God accepts you. And I want everybody here to know it today. You are a child of God. You are different. People, her greatest need that day, as much as she needed physically, physical healing, was not her greatest need. Her greatest need was to come into the salvation love of Almighty God, to be able to know her Father and experience His love and His presence. The miracles of Jesus are so we can encounter His presence and who he is and come to know him. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Right after that, can you imagine, Jairus? Come on. Come on. My daughter's dying. Let's get going. And somebody runs up and says, you know, you're too late. Your daughter just died. Can you imagine how Jairus' heart sinks? You can almost see him going, why did we stop for this woman? If you'd have hurried up, we, we could have been there. And now it's too late. All, all hope is gone. And Jesus ignores what they're saying. And he simply looks at Jairus and says, don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. People, no matter what happens in life, keep trusting Jesus. There are times in our life when we pray and we go after God, and, and, and for a while it seems like things get worse, or God's too late, or what happened? Keep trusting. Keep going after God, because He's going to be glorified. He's going to step into that situation. And when Jesus gets to the house there, now all these people that have been around, they're, they're the paid kind of mourners, so to speak. They're carrying on and going on, and Jesus says, she's not dead, she's asleep. She's not, this is nothing permanent. God's going to touch her. Now, she really was physically dead, but Jesus meant something else. I'm going to raise her. And the people began to laugh at Jesus with scorn. Put him down. It's amazing. It's amazing. And Jesus went in with that little girl, took three disciples, Peter, James, and John. The parents put everybody else out, went in. He took that little girl by the hand. He touched a dead body because Jesus is not made unclean by touching those who are, and a dead body was considered unclean religiously. And Jesus touched her and took her hand, and he says, Talitha kum means little girl, I say to you, get up. People, the way Jesus said this, I love how Francis Chan put it, is a term of endearment. 
It's not the word Jesus used, but Francis Chan said it's almost like he's looking at her and saying, sweetie, get up. Here's almighty God in the flesh walking into a room, commanding even death to loose its hold. But he does it with such gentleness and care, going, little girl, little girl, come here. And immediately she gets up, and they feed her something to eat. What little girl isn't hungry? And and they give her something to eat. And it's an amazing story. And it says they were astonished. Astonished. There are only three places in the New Testament where Jesus raised somebody from the dead. This little girl, the widow's son, and Lazarus. Every one of them tasted death again. But people, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And when we find ourselves in those places, and there have been times throughout church history where Jesus has again raised people from the dead, we need to understand that He is the Lord God who's even over death. You and I don't have to fear it. We have a God who's with us. He's the resurrection and the life. Let me wrap this up today. George Wood put it this way, there's a resurrection to eternal life that's just around the corner for all believers. And that resurrection's far greater than what was experienced by Jairus' daughter or the widow's son or Lazarus because it's a resurrection to a glorious new body that'll never again ever experience sickness or death that's going to know life with the Lord forever and ever. Wow, that's his promise. To believers. That's awesome. So does your life today feel overwhelmed? Are you facing storms or situations that don't seem to have a good answer? Is there anxiety or fear or desperation or hopelessness filling your heart? Jesus has authority over nature. He calmed the sea. He has authority over demons or any any addiction or bondage, he set that uh, garrison demoniac free. He has power and authority over illness. He touched that woman with the issue of blood. And he even has power over death. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what we're wrestling, but we are filled in a world right now with all kinds of things. All kinds of things. And I want to take a moment because Jesus wants to step into the place where you are. Touch your heart. I want to encourage you. Give Jesus the chance, the opportunity. This is not about just getting Jesus to do a miracle for us and meet our need so we can go on our way. It's about letting our lives be transformed by the one, the very Son of God, and learning to know, encounter Him, and follow Him all our life.